Welcome to episode 26 of the Gameology Podcast, all about checkpoints, saving and loading. I am one of your hosts, Matthew Falvey. And I'm Attila Gabriel Ransky of Blue Screen Productions. All right, Attila, now you wanted to focus more on checkpoints. That's what you wanted to call us. Now, why is that? Yeah, the, in contrast to uh, last week's episode or last two weeks, um, this, this, uh, I wanted to talk a bit about uh, checkpoints and saving and loading all sort of bundled together as one um, subject because I, there's a lot of like uh, bleed over as you'll see. Um, and specifically, I wanted to talk about checkpoints because um, I think that when you think about uh, checkpoints in games, you typically get the sort of association that if you have a lot of checkpoints grouped closely together, that it's an easy game. If you have checkpoint, checkpoints spaced apart, then it's a harder game. Sure. But if you think about it, the nature of what you're accomplishing in a game doesn't change depending on the frequency of the checkpoints. You can still be doing difficult things between checkpoints, right? Okay. So what a checkpoint does is it doesn't influence the uh, difficulty of a game per se. More, I find that it increases um, essentially the demand that the developer is putting on the player, if you think about it that way. Okay. Um, Just in terms of if a if you have a lot of checkpoints that are spaced apart, then the demand is being put on the player to perform um, and to be able to stay alive longer between these more spaced out checkpoints. Whereas if you have a checkpoint like every screen or um, you know even more frequently than that, if you're allowing for things like uh, saves coming, uh, being able to save and load stuff at will, then you have less demand on the player and in some games that actually uh makes people think about their uh, encounters a bit a little, a little more creatively uh i think that in a game like XCOM, where you're sort of trying to be um keep your troops alive in a tactical situation if you have the ability to like save and reload at any time then you can afford to um play in a bit more of a creative way whereas if you have if you're playing on like the iron setting where you can't do that um then it forces you to play a bit more conservatively mm-hmm. and i think that both of them are kind of valid play experiences in their own way um like playing with the ability to save and reload at will um is a fundamentally different experience from playing without saves coming as an option. It can really remove the tension. Mm-hmm. But in the same sense as like sometimes removing the tension just lets you have fun in mm-hmm. the game. Um, you can end up in a very like high stress scenario where if you like lose one of your guys and you're going to fail the mission, you don't feel so good. And, you know, I think a, a lot of the reason that most people play games is because they want to like relax and have a good time. So it means that if that option to sort of save scum their way through an experience is not available, then, you know, you might get a drop off in the audience of people who are like, oh man, this game's too stressful. I just don't want to play this right now. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, when you think about survival games, if you explain to somebody on paper, like, well, what are you doing in this game? You gather wood and you make a fire and you try to try to stay dry. That could sound pretty boring. That could sound pretty meaningless. But mm-hmm. if you take away... The ability, I mean, especially if it's a roguelike that is trying to punish you on every death and make you lose these things. And that can make the act of finding these things and being close to being dehydrated, finding that water with seconds to spare, 
that can turn that into an actual meaningful experience because of the tension that you probably wouldn't get if you were able to just reverse time, load in a previous save, mm-hmm. and be safe. Yeah, it, it certainly makes much more sense for some genres than it does for others. Um, like, it, it would completely kill a survival game. Um, but in, in the sort of like more tactical games, when you're when you're playing XCOM, like I use the opportunity provided by save scumming to like play for perfection. Like I try to get through a map without losing any of my guys, or I try to do it in like the most efficient way possible. All that sort of stuff. I so, guess at that point it depends whether it's going to be is it just trial and error that you're doing, or is it pure creativity. Mm-hmm. I mean, sometimes it's a bit of both, right? Sometimes I'll see like, oh, can I get this guy up here? And then he'll have a shot on this alien. Um, and then does that expose him? Or, oh, great, the game decided to drop some guys, like, completely unbeknownst to me. And at that point, I'll usually, like, reload a checkpoint because, like, you know, if the game is doing something essentially untelegraphed like that, where, like, enemies are literally beaming down from nowhere, um, I feel like having my guys positioned conspicuously around that drop point so that when they drop down, I get a free shot on them. You know, it's, it's its own kind of fun, but I can definitely see why as a designer, you want to have the player scramble and have to react to that. Um, So I think you just sort of need to allow for both kinds of play. Certain People want that challenge and they can play on the iron setting. And then there's people like me who maybe don't want to get caught with my pants down because I don't play games for that reason. So I'm more content to just have sort of like dominate the game and play through flawlessly. In essence, it means a lot of like repeating stuff. And that might be one of the... um, sort of most difficult things about the the allowing for saves coming is that fundamentally if you get an hour into a game and then you have to like wipe and reload yeah then replaying a map for the umpteenth time might have been why i eventually just stopped playing xcom halfway through the first game i still feel like i want to go back and play it eventually but that that feeling of having to like replay a game so many times before i get that perfect run um, as opposed to just sort of having to live with my decisions and the consequences of them, um, is definitely something that is uh, sort of paved over by allowing for saves coming. Yeah. Um, but in the on the other hand, playing like Ocarina of Time on the N64, um, rather the eShop version of it, where you have the ability to create one single save state. Um, if I'm trying to, believe it or not, walk in a straight line and that presents its own difficulty um and like i need to like not fall off a bridge or something i'll create a save state right there and then try to walk on that in that straight line and if my character falls off then i don't want to spend 10 minutes climbing back up so in that sense having the save state having the ability to just like jump back and replay a very tiny segment of the game is very useful Mm -hmm. and you can still enjoy that Mm -hmm. that makes me think of playing shovel knight a game i really enjoyed yeah a game that we talked about before I had really gotten into the meat of it, but a game that uh, there's one section where there was a difficult portion, Mm -hmm. but every time I died there, I went so far back Mm -hmm. and you get punished even more. I think they were trying to incorporate some of these like trendy elements of the time that like dark souls picking up your loot after you died. And it was infuriating that I had to keep going through these same parts. And then I would get more and more frustrated and spend, I'd be less careful each time and then die in parts that were, 
um, previously very easy. And that I remember that part. I was like wishing, just let me. It's, I'm fine with this part being challenging and mm-hmm. dying multiple times, but I don't want to have to do this boring part. Yeah. I mean, if you if you fail a, a test in your in your math 11 class, don't send me back to math 10. Mm-hmm. I think it's one of those things where um, a lot of people will think along the lines of, wow, that was really hard. If the player beat this, they should get a checkpoint here. But it's actually almost the other way around. You want to put some of the more difficult parts immediately following a checkpoint. Because then if the player fails on that portion, then they get a quick opportunity to retry it. Sure, absolutely. Or just have the ability to just save wherever you are and kind yeah. of and give you're giving people the you're not mothering them. Mm-hmm. You are just saying you're you're an adult or a gamer and you uh, make your own decisions. Yeah, exactly. You get to choose where and it's safe scumming is just the funniest term because I'm wondering are there are there other industries like in the film industry where we have this very self-deprecating, uh, very critical way of describing things that people do, and people and have to admit to it almost ashamed, like oh I save scum my way through it. Do people who watch movies have a term if they if they didn't understand it the first time and they had to look it up, or if they had to pause the movie and go back to it and watch it again? I mean it's. It's interesting that way. Um, about XCOM, I play a lot of uh, big strategy games like Masters of Orion, those mm-hmm. kind of games. And if I've spent a few hours building up a fleet and I'm deciding to go to war or start off with a big battle, mm-hmm. I might save Scum right there because if I lose that, sure, on the one hand, I could play it out, try to claw my way back, and that might be incredibly satisfying on its mm-hmm. own. Or it might just ruin all the progress I had when really I just needed to make one or two more ships and it could it could just cause that one game to be completely ruined. Yeah. I mean, I, I think there's a lot to be said for like not throwing in the towel for like trying to um, go with what you've got and make things work. Um, I, had, I heard some excellent advice from one James Portnow of X Credits fame uh, where he said, Never concede, because even if you're staring defeat in the face, um, if you're playing against a human opponent, people are fallible. Sometimes they don't realize they're holding the keys to their own victory. And, you know, if, if they don't capitalize on that until you are absolutely, like, actually hit points reach zero defeated, um, you still have a chance, in theory, because sometimes it happens. Sometimes people do make those kind of mistakes and you know sometimes those make for the better stories that makes for the more engaging gameplay experience not um conceding immediately when things start to look like they're going south um if you have this moment in XCOM where it's like yeah one of my guys got downed but then i was able to double move my guy over to him and bring him back up and then he sniped an alien and we all made it home and that made for a much more compelling experience of like yeah i killed every alien before they could get a single shot on me and cake walked through the entire game you know i think there's a lot of people who have those kind of stories but not as many people who have those like thrilling tales of battle because that that's what i feel like i hear the most from people that the people that I've listened to that really love XCOM, they mm-hmm. tend to like that Iron Man mode, and a lot of people swear by it because it's that's where those those stories are made about having to come back from you know a tough situation. And it's I guess it's whatever whether you just want to sit and meditate and click through something and have an easy win. But uh, for me, I find a, a big thing with games now is that it's very handholdy. Yeah, in a lot of main, especially a lot of like mainstream experiences of this is where. 
you need to go, it's what you need to do at all times, and you're always pointed in that direction. Like we mentioned last episode, it's yeah. nice to have that as as an option. But um, I guess it, it kind of depends on the length of the game. I and mean, we're talking about XCOM or Masters of Ryan. Those are massive games yeah. where you want to have the ability to, you don't want to have to go too far back. Exactly. Whereas a game like Mario or even Shovel Knight, you have less of a consequence where a mistake might just cost you a few seconds, 30 seconds, or a couple minutes. Yeah, I mean, it's it's one of those things where like, having the checkpoints in the game is not like the end of difficulty you know having more uh checkpoints where people have to repeat less content is not a bad thing no i think a lot of people will say oh games these days are so easy you know they give people checkpoints so frequently having the checkpoints does not make the game easier you know that was my leading point um it just means that you have to uh repeat things less often um, Unless it's you're playing Bioshock and you have the <laughs> the vitty chambers, which your second run of it, because the enemies have that consistent damage, right. the damage you inflicted on in your first attempt is there. So in a way, you're just wearing them down. That is different. Yeah. And that's not necessarily as compelling of an experience because then you're not returning to the same scenario and trying to get a different take on it. You can just keep on throwing yourself at something until it does like whittle it away. Like waves against a mountain. Exactly. And you'll win eventually over time. And I don't think that you're going to have any fun with that. And I don't think it's a compelling experience overall. Um, but like in a sort of like middle tier option is I think I've even mentioned this before, but the way Nintendo approaches like uh, in a Mario game, in theory, you're supposed to beat like level one, 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 two, one, three, one, four castle. And after you beat the castle, you can save and then you can move on to the second and the, the other levels in the in world one. Um, but at any time you can save and quit because that's just, you know, being kind to the player and acknowledging like oh, you know, maybe you only had time to beat one level. Right. We're not going to give you the checkpoint, but we are going to give you the option to, like, close out of the game and return to this experience later. So it prevents save scumming. It leaves people the option of, like, I need to, like, go now, and I don't want to just leave my game system on. Um, it's not quite like leaving the game uh, in the middle of a level, and you wouldn't necessarily want that anyway, because, you know, if you're in mid-jump and you're about to land on lava, it's like, oh, got to go now. Um, you don't necessarily want to return to that. It's going to be more of a stressful experience than anything. Mm-hmm. Um, one interesting thing that I actually found out when I was at an enthusiast gaming convention, a guy who makes casino games approached us. And he mentioned that um, when you have one of these like video games in a casino, it has to save data constantly because as a caveat of these uh, games being uh, gambling scenarios where people are dealing with real money, you're not allowed to lose data ever. Mm. You have to save data constantly because if there's ever even the slightest chance that the power could go out or something could interrupt the play experience, you need to be able to load people back in so they don't lose their money. Um, you know, and it's it's not something where the casinos could say, oh, whatever, just take your money back. Uh, or it's not something where these people would be um, tolerant, obviously, of losing their money in the event that something unexpected like that happens. So the save files for these games are like every um, point of consequence, which is not as often as people might think. Um, by that, I, I would mean, assume it would be every spin. Basically, yeah. By by that, I mean, like, you don't need to save data every single frame. You just need to save data whenever the player does something which could influence whether or not they could win. And then there's a whole bunch of fluff that plays out that makes you think whether or not, you know, 
playing on your psychology to think that you are actually acting on this gambling scenario in any significant way. Yeah, because, like when people get two out of three and they think they were so close. Yeah. Uh, or really just like um, the player gets to make decisions, but the casinos never want to have um, moments of skill involved in a game, or at least um, the skill check can allow you to fail, but it can never allow you to succeed more, if that makes sense. Um, like if, if the game has decided that it's going to give you $5, you're, they're never going to say, oh, but if you hit the button at just the right time, you'll actually get $8 instead. No, it'll just say, well, you're going to get $5. I'm going to give this to you. Um, but if you screw this up, then I'm going to take the $5 away. Okay. Just because a, they never want you to be able to like actually get better at a game. They don't want skill to improve the amount of money that you can get out of a game. Um, like if you're playing uh, a money that I uh, a game that I ended up throwing a lot of money at when I was a kid, and I say a lot, twenty dollars. Um, there was a like block stacker game. Do you know what those are? Block stacker? Yeah, I don't know, like columns. Yeah, well, it's basically this game where you have this like uh, display of squares, um, and like let's say you have four squares along the bottom that are moving left to right on the bottom of the screen. You hit a button, it freezes the squares. Oh in place. yeah, yeah. Then you jump one column up, and it goes back and forth, back and forth, and you have to hit the button, and you have to try to build the blocks on top of the ones that were underneath it. And if you like, as the higher you get up, the fewer blocks you have to spare where if you might have had four at the very base of your building then eventually you get three then two then one and a couple times in a row i was able to get all the way up to the very top and i thought it was a matter of skill that i had to hit the button at the exact right time and make my block land on top of the tower and i could win something crazy because like th- this is a, like a physical arcade machine with, yeah with this physical, is something they're allowing kids yeah. to play and I was under the impression that it was a measure of skill and that I thought I was skilled enough to make this happen. Well, no, later I find out that these machines are rigged and even if you hit the button dead on, it'll just travel by one block and say, nope, too bad, you lose. Right. And everybody's that's... getting to the top and everybody's losing at the top other than just the randomized chance. So then some fool can come up and be like, so you tell it, it's not hard. Mm-hmm. And they win the DS. And they, these, they, they even have a dial on the back of these machines where they say like, um, you know, this machine is easier, like it has less chance to travel because we're only giving away $10 prizes in this machine, whereas this machine, we have $1,000 prizes. So we crank it up. So it's actually next to impossible. Right. No safes coming there. <laughs> no, in those senses, you would certainly love to have a checkpoint on your life. So you could go back and say, give me that $20 wow. or just keep on iterating on your life until you get the $1,000 prize. It's like, yeah, screw you. <laughs> Always an investment plan. It's, um, what do you think about the the visual representation of a checkpoint or you've entered a room and all of a sudden you see that little icon pop up and mm-hmm. it says saving game and you know that all right we've had a lull in the action i'm mm-hmm. about to come across something big i think that in a way that can help you prepare if this is the type of game where you need to prepare for those situations other times i think that can be a bit of a spoiler and give away that something big is coming and yeah, it's nice to prepare, but it would be better to be surprised in that situation. I mean, it's one of those things where, like, the the further you get from a checkpoint, um, the more cautious you tend to play, right? Because you're you're like, oh man, I don't want to lose this progress. Um, and if you encounter like a door, even something as simple as a door, you might be like, I'm not going to open that right now because there could be something on the other side of that that I'm not ready for. Mm. I might 
like specifically I'm thinking about Dark Souls here where it's like I might I was too trek <laughs> I might trek all the way back to my last bonfire and redeem my souls or whatever so I don't lose anything then I'll find my way back to this door because I know how to get here um and I don't I don't think that I mean it, yeah it, it does sort of give things away but in a game world like that you don't want to be so cruel to the player um as to spring something on them completely unexpectedly. Uh, that's another reason why in Dark Souls specifically, they'll throw uh, these fog doors in your way where you just, you know something significant is behind these doors. Sometimes they're a little mean about that, that sometimes fog doors mean that there's a boss behind here. Sometimes fog doors are just a way to progress to the next point in an area. Um, if you're encountering fog doors, it at least means forward progress. It at least means that you're like getting towards the core of an area, towards the boss. Um, and that's the thing where if you encounter a fog door, sometimes there's a checkpoint on the other side of that fog door. And they're kind of being mean because they're making you think, oh boy, I don't know if I'm ready for this. And yet you are more than ready because you want that checkpoint. Um, and just the, the, in general, even if it's not behind a fog door, but just like some place where you could miss or an invisible wall, the Dark Souls tendency to hide checkpoints, I'm not especially a fan of. Um, I mean, I'm all for rewarding exploration in the game, but I just don't feel like checkpoints are the things that should be hidden because if you miss one of those checkpoints, then every time you're running through an area, it means you have to go that much further between checkpoints and it increases the challenge um or it increases the demand to use my own uh terminology uh on the player to perform for an extended period of time flawlessly um or at least to the point where they don't die whereas um, just because of what i was saying not that long ago the further you get the more cautiously you play and exploring to find a hidden checkpoint is not necessarily something you're going to start doing if you're really in need of a checkpoint it's a bit of a paradox yeah that's that's very consistent with the dark souls design i mean if you look at the bosses they're they have these gigantic life bars mm -hmm. and it is in a way the length of that life bar is sort of like the checkpoint where sure you can dodge them a few times and get a few hits in and but can you last long enough can you play like mm -hmm. you said not flawlessly but can you play well enough not to die to inflict say 15 or 20 hits to them i had i had a friend who really bounced off of Bloodborne and Dark Souls because of the life bars of the boss was mm. too large. I'm like, well, that's the whole point of it. I mean, anybody yeah. can go in there and get lucky. I managed to sort of game the system in, I think it was Dark Souls 3, where I loaded up on these strength um, modifiers to a weapon mm -hmm. and had a really strong weapon that was slow. And it did so much damage that I could sort of clumsily bash my way through at least the opening levels mm -hmm. by funneling all my stats into strength as well. And that kind of got me into a place where I was a little too far from my own skill and where it came up to spots that I couldn't bash my way through. I was quickly exposed. And that is just a way of that game to sort of have checks and balances to kind of push you back. Yeah. So I think that's, um, you know, the the ability to sort of decide your own difficulty is a nice thing to give players the option for. Like, if you just... I feel like in, in these kinds of games... Um, having these having checkpoints spaced throughout and uh and a more like leaning towards the what would be considered the generous side of things is not a bad thing um 
having the ability to destroy your own checkpoints like in Shovel Knight, um, you know, it, I don't think that gives as much reward as it should. Um, I don't think that fundamentally, like just playing the level flawlessly should be its own reward, but then destroying a checkpoint specifically so that if you do fail, you have to go far, like extra far back. I don't feel like that's an especially great mechanic. Um, just because I, I find that it leads to a lot of uh, potential frustration. But these are just the way that I would approach designing games. It's not necessarily to say that their approach is wrong. It just leads to a very different kind of experience than the one that I would try to create. And that's going to do it for a talk about checkpoints, saving, and loading. My name is Matthew Fava. You can find my work on a90skid.com or our A90skid YouTube channel. And you can find me at Twitter at GameThinkTalk. And you can find me on Twitter at BluishGreenPro or check out my website at BluishGreenProductions.com. And if you like this podcast and you know somebody who might like it, please share it to them. It would really help us out. The more, the merrier. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. <laughs>